0: Welcome, everybody, to the inaugural episode of the Play Like a Champion Today show, a new podcast from the Play Like a Champion Today educational series. I'm one of your two hosts, Peter Piscatello. I'll be joined in a moment by Kristen Sheehan. We want to take a moment to thank you for listening wherever you are. First and foremost, we hope you're staying healthy and safe. If You are currently sheltering at home. Thanks for doing your part to flatten the curve. We also hope you're staying sane. You find yourself taking on new roles as a parent, teacher, activities coordinator, chef, coach, probably a number of other things. Our goal with this podcast is to bring you a show with special guests who are both entertaining and informative. We'll hit all levels of sports, but certainly focus on work at the youth and high school levels that Play Like a Champion is known for. We'll have an opportunity to work each day with experts and personalities from across American sports, and we think you'll enjoy hearing from them. We'll cover a number of different topics Uh, That will help everyone from coaches and administrators to parents and athletes uh, as you strive to be a champion both on and off the field. We are really excited about our first guest today who will be joining us here in just a moment. She's absolutely full of wisdom that's going to help us all in this environment we are in right now. The format will almost certainly evolve as we get into this with some uh, creative segments planned along the way. Uh, And along with the interviews we'll have lined up here in the coming weeks, we definitely want to hear from all of you. So keep that in mind. We are excited to have you along for the ride and we'll look forward to building on this first episode. With that, I want to introduce our co-host, Kristen Sheehan. Kristen, thanks for being here. Welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Pete. So thrilled to be working together with you and our Play Like a Champion today's staff on this new effort. And uh, thrilled to have Carrie here with us, who I'll get to introduce in a minute. Um, but I, just so you know who I am, I'm the program director for Play Like a Champion. And um, I got involved in this program with Professor Clark Power, who was a friend of mine when I was a Notre Dame undergraduate. And when he started this initiative in 2006, he said, Kristen. I could use some help. And so from that time on, I've been uh, fortunate to be part of uh, the program as we have grown from two partners in Dallas and Los Angeles to working with over 200 youth sport partners and excited for what the future will continue to bring.
0: Yeah, excited as well, and thrilled to be a part of it. I think I've uh, I've been a part for almost a decade now, as both a uh, a partner and now the last three years as uh, a part of the team. So excited to get going with this podcast. Uh, I think we speak for all of our listeners and guests uh, when I say we're thrilled to have you involved, Kristen. Uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, just a couple of housekeeping notes before we get to to carry uh, our first our very first guest. Uh, We're going to record every week or so, as our schedule allows, and you can find us on all the major podcasting platforms. Uh, We're already on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, you name it, several more coming uh, soon. If you're listening to us right now on any of those platforms, we strongly encourage you to subscribe to the podcast I'll make sure additional episodes are delivered directly to you as soon as they become available. We also kindly ask that you rate and review the show five stars. If your app allows you to do that, Uh, subscribing and rating us will help others to find the podcast and assure we, uh, we get into as many earbuds as possible. Also share the podcast with others. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at PLC, the number four character and on Facebook at Play Like a Champion. Connect with us there. You can also email us at information at playlikeachampion.org or visit our website, www.playlikeachampion.org. Find the podcast under the resources menu and uh, look at all the other good stuff we have there. Maybe we'll we'll mention some of that stuff here at the end. All right, Kristen, that's enough of the housekeeping. Let's get into this interview. Thrilled to have Dr. Kerry Hastings here with us. Welcome,
1: Dr. Carrie, As you'll know, we affectionately call her. Um, Before I uh, tell you who Dr. Carrie is to us, I'll just tell you her background. Uh, Carrie is a licensed clinical and sports psychologist. She specializes in mental skills and performance enhancement for athletes. And she also does psychological and neuropsychological testing and individual therapy for all ages. Carrie was a hurdler and a sprinter on the University of Notre Dame's track team. This rich athletic tradition of her own fuels her work uh, with athletes and non-athletes alike. Uh, She presents to national audiences on topics such as trauma-sensitive coaching, depression and suicide among athletes, bullying and hazing, coaching athletes with ADHD and autism, And she is also a certified mental performance consultant with the Association for Applied Sports Psychology and is listed in the United States Olympic Committee Sports Psychology and Mental Training Registry. Wow, that is so impressive, Carrie. But to us, you are Dr. Carrie, who run all of our clinics for high school coaches in the Los Angeles area, and are a regular contributor and presenter at our annual Play Like a Champion conference. So it's great to have you here, Carrie.
2: Thank you so much for having me. This is a real uh, honor and a pleasure. Now I can add, Play Like a Champion podcast presenter to my Play Like a Champion resume, so it's, it's really filling out nicely.
1: <laughs> You're going to want to move that right to the top. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: absolutely. Uh, well, tell, tell us more about uh, your days as a college athlete at Notre Dame and how that influenced you to get into psychology, psychology and the career path that you've taken.
2: Mm, well, my experience was uh, rich in many ways and not not just the, uh, athletic sense. And when I say that, I mean not just, um, performance or the skills and drills, but really, um, from a holistic perspective. So, you know, during college, I, um, as many athletes and individuals in that age range do, went through a lot of, um, life experiences and, and, uh, had some personal challenges and things that happened in my life. And, um, and trauma and um and injury and so a lot of that and you know and then successes and failures along the way so you know i really could have used a sports psychologist and and we didn't have a specific sports psychologist when i was at notre dame um we had a psychology you know a counseling center with psychologists and um but nobody who really specialized in that area or was assigned to the individual teams so, um, I really felt that there was a need um, and really felt like I could contribute to that field based on uh, my own experiences and um, and being able to relate to what many athletes go through um, and so it, it really fueled my passion to pursue this this area
0: that's awesome, Carrie. Uh- you know, I'm curious as as you've gone through your your career, and we'll talk about kind of what you're doing right now in here just a minute. But uh, talk about some of the, the the things you've done that have really made an impact uh, in your life in terms of the sports psychology and kind of just the career path you've taken uh, to get to where you're at now.
2: Well, you know, when I when I graduated from Notre Dame, I wasn't quite sure exactly what I wanted to do. I kind of knew what I didn't want to do, um, and so. Uh, I was living in New York City for a while and um, and and gained some additional life experience and uh, and you know when 9/11 happened um, that's when a light bulb went off for me. I had been teaching in the city and I I realized that I really wanted to help others in a in a more personalized way and be armed with some, knowledge and skills in order to do that. So, and at the time I was ready to go back to school. So, um, so I, uh, and I was also ready to move. And so I left the city and I uh, enrolled at Pepperdine University out here in California. Um, And I obtained my master's in psychology and then went on to get my doctorate in clinical psychology. I always knew I wanted to Keep my hand in athletics, and and in some way, shape, or form, work with athletes. Um, and so, even throughout that, some somehow, I was always working with athletes, or coaches, or even sport parents. Um, whether it was giving presentations, or consulting, or just um, you know working through my clinical experience, um, I think one of my favorite jobs. Um, along the way was when I worked um, after I graduated, I worked in Pepperdine's Student Counseling Center for a while. And I really had the opportunity to work with um, many student athletes and gained a lot of experience with kind of the young adult age range of student athletes. And, and, you know, that's such a rich, population. And as I said about myself, you know, those kids are going through so much and adjusting to so many things, even outside of sport, or that contribute to their performance, or, or maybe um, lack of. So I really found that to be a huge, uh, meaningful stepping stone um, to my professional career. And um and then I developed, you know, my private practice along the way. And um, and then a few years ago was invited to be the team psychologist for our L.A. Rams out here.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's one of the things we want to use as sort of a jumping off point here uh, and talk about some of the things that are going on right now. Uh, but tell us a little bit about that experience uh, with the Rams and what that's been like, what you've learned, you know, really working with some of the best athletes in the world.
2: It's been incredible. I mean, it's um there's never a doll as you can imagine. And, you know, it really is even outside of, um, professional football, that really is my favorite age group to work with is kind of that young adults, like really just on the brink of that next phase of life. And, and, um, and I know I keep saying this, but it's such a rich time in, in anyone's life. And then when you throw in uh, such a massive, um, you know, athletic honor and and set of experiences and unique circumstances and a huge transition from college. and um, you know, in, in terms of what it means to be on the team and who and what you're representing, you know, these athletes come in with so much. and um, and, you know, really kind of um, such a diverse group. And such an enthusiastic, passionate group, um, but it's interesting because you know there are big differences from from working within professional a professional athletic realm versus um, you know college or high school or even youth to where it's now a business. And so you know the motivation isn't just about pride or for your school, but you know many of these guys, it's it's a livelihood, and they have families that they they want to support, and um, and I think people forget that that you know there's a lot of pressure in that sense, um, you know from society, but also from their families and within themselves. Um, so that's something we often have to work through. I so I work individually with players um, in a clinical sense and um, anything from traditional talk therapy to working on mental and performance aspects um, of their game and then working through injuries and, and how they can rehab and, and use their healthy mentality to enhance their rehab and, um, and stay on track. So, uh, and then I'll give, Trainings I give uh, trainings to performance staff, um, coaching and performance staff. I'll give try give trainings to all the rookies, um, and particularly educating about mental health. And then um, with the staff, how to identify red flags and you know what to do next if they do. Um, it's a really nice organization to work for. I think I'm very lucky in that the rants team is all in when it comes to that holistic approach and really kind of you know you you help the man you help the player and um, and not all teams are are kind of unified that way as I've learned so it's really nice to be a part of this club and um, and we all work together great it really does have a family feel and um, and from the top down it's it's very supportive and um, and I really enjoy it.
0: You know you mentioned something here that I think is interesting and, and at least I've read quite a bit about how, as you alluded to different organizations handle this different ways right uh, it sounds like the Rams are really embrace this um, this aspect of of training uh, whereas other organizations might not but I'm curious if there's a difference between um, players broadly speaking right I mean is there is there still the athlete who Uh, just thinks, I don't need to worry about that. I just need to go out to practice and, and, you know, be the best athlete on the field. Or do you find that more athletes are embracing sort of the mental side of of their game uh, as, as that becomes a lot more prevalent in the professional realm?
2: That's a great question. And um, I do notice differences and depending on um, what schools, some of the guys are coming from, I can tell, or they'll tell me, um, you know, I had a a sports psychologist that I worked with at this school. And so I really just want to keep up with it and some of the stuff I was working on. And and um, and then I'll meet with them. And sometimes it's just a matter of upkeep. They want to, just, you know, either stay fresh, um, work on things that there's not necessarily a problem or set of problems, but they just want to kind of be doing everything they can. And so um, you know you've got those, and then and then there's others who um, there's kind of three tiers of of people. There's those that elect to come see me. There's those that are very strongly nudged, um, and then you know there's some mandated cases as well. But um, but yeah, it's it's it, there is still a stigma, you know, when, when it comes to mental health in any realm, um, but certainly within athletics, I think it's decreased a lot. Especially over the past few years, and and really within the past um, this past year 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 and a half, where the NFL and the NFL Players Association have come together and and really developed an initiative to prioritize mental health within the NFL, and taken very specific deliberate action to. To prioritize it, and and it's been incorporated into this latest revision of the CBA, and um, and so with that and having that backing and um, kind of permission for for people to use this resource, it's really helped to decrease the stigma as well, and um, and so you know we always encourage some of the team leaders to um, to to step up or to advocate for that, you know, if they feel comfortable doing so Um, because it's, we've found it to be very helpful and we've gotten positive feedback about it. Um, I think they're just, it's more of a fear sometimes, or um, sometimes people have a preconceived notion of maybe what it's going to be like. You know, sometimes guys will come in and say, "Am I supposed to lie down on the couch?" <laughs> and, and like, you don't have to unless you need a rest. But <laughs> but it's funny, and you know, usually once they come in the door and they realize it's it's their time, it's their space, and it's it's very informal, um, they they appreciate it. And, and they come back. So, so yeah, so we're getting there, uh, I think, both within athletics and as a society.
1: You know, Carrie, my uh, degree is um, counseling psychology, and it uh, was early 90s when I got that degree, and we were fighting really hard since then. And, you know, f- over the last 27 years, I've seen that change and continue to work to change it at Play Like a Champion. We've certainly tried to do our part to educate that, you know, going to counseling and working on your mental health is is, is of critical importance um, for you as an athlete, but really as a person. And so we'll keep fighting for it, you know, and thanks for being in that fight with us and and offering what you offer. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting because in today's world, this unprecedented crisis that we're having, a public health crisis with the coronavirus, um, everyone is challenged emotionally. And I'm wondering how that crisis has impacted the players you work with at the professional level. Are they seeking your assistance as they deal with the emotions of a pandemic and perhaps fearful their family will get ill? Uh, maybe no people who are getting ill or dying, uh, fearful for what the future will hold.
2: Absolutely. And it definitely has presented um, unique circumstances among the elite level, um, of athletics in terms of, you know, it kind of goes back to what I said and in, in that it is a business, um, at this point and, and it changes every year, you know, each year it's kind of a new team and, and between trades and, you know, free agency and, and even the draft it's, it's, um, it's a very different year as it is for everyone. And even, you know, not having a traditional draft this year is different and, and they, you know, they're trying to still keep it meaningful and exciting for the draftees, but, um, but, you know, you only get that once. And the same thing with, um, you know, some people who might come and, you know, we don't know yet what the season's going to look like. Um, You know, there's talk of playing in empty stadiums. And so thinking, especially out here with the Rams, you know, this was a huge year for us. We are opening SoFi Stadium and the big opening and the launch of the the whole new brand of our team. And so, you know, we're trying not to get too deflated over the fact that 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 won't be the same. And I know that that's been disappointing for a lot of um, people across the board, players, staff, um, family And, and um, so we're kind of seeing what that will look like. And then, you know, you've got people who, um, you know, we had a significant number of injuries this past year and, and, you know, some of the guys who have been rehabbing and and really just counting the days until they were ready to go. Some of them were going to be ready for spring training and that was going to be their first time back on the field. Um, Some, you know, not till, training camp in late summer, but now, you know, we're not able to even have spring training or OTAs and everything's virtual. So there was disappointment there. And, and I've worked with some people and dealing with that. And, you know, as with many athletes who've kind of lost their seasons, there is a definite sense of mourning that goes along with all this and, and a felt loss, in terms of um, you know things that you can't get back, and and you know for some people it's a delay, but for some people it really is a loss, and and that that can be really um, really feel tragic. So um, yeah, so working with you know we did actually um, you may have heard we did have a case um, of COVID on our team, and and you know this player didn't even. Have symptoms, but just lost his sense of taste and smell and um and then tested positive. and uh, and at the time, they were just having um, people doing rehab coming in. They had kind of everyone else was working from home, but but even within that small group, you know, that instilled some an anxiety, anxiety about if other people were gonna get it or bring it home to their families. And so um, you know one thing the uh, that we did as a club, we had a, a team-wide Zoom, as everyone's, everyone knows Zoom now. <laughs> you know, we had a, a team Zoom, and we invited um, team staff and opened it to family members as well, where we just educated um, everyone on the virus and brought them up to speed in terms of what we were doing and and informed them as much as we could, in terms of what we knew and what we knew the the immediate future looked like for our team, and in terms of workouts and and play and all that, um, we had a uh, representative from DICON, the Duke Infection uh, Infection Control Outreach Network, uh, on that panel, who really was was great in providing some some information. Um, when it, you know, in terms of detailing this, this uh, enigmatic virus. So, um, so we're trying to do our part and the NFL as well um, has had uh, calls and zooms with the, with the clinicians from each team and, um, and trying so that we can all be on the same page. Our chief medical officer of the NFL has been really making a lot of the decisions and really been on top of this and and trying to keep the um, ramifications and the, the requirements uniform across the board for all the teams. So, you know, no team is allowed to to be working out or practicing any more than another team, even if their geographic area isn't as impacted. Um, by COVID-19 as another. So just so that everybody's kind of stays on the an equal playing field for now.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. You mentioned a couple of things with the draft taking place as we're talking about this this week uh, and, and coaches not having an opportunity to uh, actually meet in person or, or see draft prospects in a lot of cases. Uh, let alone their own players, who normally this time of year would be coming in, and you mentioned some of the virtual things that are being done to to at least keep them in contact. But uh, in the NFL's case, you know, there's there's protocols and there's a ton of uh, technology and equipment they have at their disposal to to keep in touch with these players. Um, you know, a lot of the the coaches at the youth, high school, even college levels don't have the same resources and the same tools. Uh, they might be struggling more with being separated from fellow coaches and players, uh, whether they're, you know, it's a spring sport and they should be in their season right now, or whether like football, they're really preparing for a, you know, summer or fall ramp up. So I'm curious what your advice would be to coaches uh, when they can't be with their teams during this period and and, and how they handle that and, and some of the things you're talking about uh, at any level.
2: Yeah, it's so true. I mean, it's, um, it's so different. We, you know, the NFL is the NFL and, you know, they even were granted each player up to $1,500 to rent workout equipment so they can stay in shape at home. And, um, you know, I think about the um, the athletes at the youth high school and even collegiate levels who, um, who either lost their season, had an abrupt end to their career and, um, or just missed out on an opportunity to play this spring. And, um, you know, I would say to coaches, staying connected is key and, you know, doing that virtually. um, And there are so many different ways that you can still hold a meaningful place in these athletes' lives. And, you know, they, they look to you for, how to respond to all this? So maintaining kind of a neutral um, perspective on things, you know, not getting too opinionated or political. Um, and just and not being too negative, you know, you hear all the time like don't don't have the news on twenty four seven. you know, small doses. stay informed, but don't get overwhelmed. So kind of modeling some of this, like a healthy, healthy knowledge, healthy dose of knowledge um, and self-care, modeling self-care and making sure your athletes are meeting their basic needs. It's easy to get in a rut and it's easy um, to kind of lose track of what day and time it is. I know I have. (laughs) So, you know, (laughs) encouraging um, your athletes to to stay in a routine You know, I feel like I've noticed, at least, there have been different phases to this quarantine. The first few weeks, you know, first three or four weeks, there was even somewhat of an energy about this. Um, People, it was really, there was time, and, and it's not under any circumstances we would ever ask for, but we had time, we had this mandate to stay home, and you know i looked at my house and thought oh i can finally declutter i can finally <laughs> do some stuff and um but then you know in the last week or two it's kind of shifted to where it's like okay you know the novelty's worn off kind of over it and um and this whole social distancing thing it's it's important to remember it's it's more of a physical distancing and you know that that social label Um, I almost don't, I really don't like, because it implies that you need to stay away from people. I went running one day and, and there was a couple walking in the bike lane towards me and they split so that I could run through them and they maintained like the six feet apart. But they just like kept their faces forward and very serious and didn't even turn to say hello or smile. And I thought, gee, (laughs) you know, just because you have to stay physically apart doesn't mean you, you know, you can't be friendly or social anymore. So, um, so I would encourage coaches, you know, stay in touch with your athletes, um, regularly, whether it's weekly or every other day, check in, check in individually, um, I think the biggest thing you can be doing with your athletes who are returning is work on the mental game. That's something that isn't done enough, even when athletes are able to play, because I think it's, there isn't enough importance placed on it and the time isn't devoted to it. And here we have this gift of time where you can focus on things like confidence and, and focus and goal setting and motivation and relaxation visualization this is a great time to work on imagery and um, you know you can watch film and and really get in tune with your own performances and correcting errors you know watch watch tape of you making a mistake and and then visualize yourself doing it right over and over and over again and and those are two keys to imagery um, vividness and repetition and envisioning it being successful. So, you know, when I say vividness, you want to use as many senses as you can when you recreate a scenario in your mind. And that's something, boy, there's this, there couldn't be a better time to, to work on something like that. Um, and, and there is evidence that imagery improves performance. Now, if you're only thinking of failure or negative experiences, that can actually worsen your performance. So you do want to think of succeeding at different uh, skills or running plays in your mind. Um, you know, a coach can can go on Zoom and split the screen and draw out some plays and then have their athletes envision that. And that can be their their homework for the next couple of days. And then the athlete's should really invest in that as much as they can um, to where they can actually feel it in their bodies. And when it's when they're able to get back on that playing field, that will translate in a positive way to their performance.
1: Yeah, I think uh, the motivated athlete will do that independently. But I think most athletes will need a nudge to work on those types of mental skills. And as you point out, it can be a great time for them to improve their overall performance when they return to the field just by practicing those those mental skill development. Um, Carrie, those are for athletes who are going to return next year. What about um, high school seniors or college seniors who have lost their final season? Uh, what would your advice be and how would you address those kids who are just crushed? Oh, my heart goes out to them.
2: It's it's really, um, it's hard to find the silver lining in that. I don't know that there is one. And really the, the best advice I could give is, is to treat it for what it is. It is a loss. It should be mourned. It, you know, athletes whose seasons are cut short, whether it's from injury um, or something else, this included, athletes can experience that like a death. And and you know, they run the risk, especially athletes who are predisposed to experience mental illness or even just uh, symptoms of mental distress, such as anxiety or depression, that can be exacerbated by something like this. So, so athletes should stay aware of where they are with things and how they're doing, and and so should parents and coaches, and make sure that you know athletes aren't withdrawing too much or um, sinking into um, too much isolation to where they get stuck and can't get out of it. So, you know, athletes should mourn this time. And this will be in phases as well. You can't do everything at once. It should it should be given um, appropriate time to mourn. And then gradually, developing and using some of that resilience that they used in athletics to start to reframe it and and develop a narrative about it that allows them to then look back on some of the positive aspects of their career and and always whenever you can infuse gratitude that is helpful gratitude and mindfulness. And, and when it comes to this type of loss, once you're ready to really go back to what was it that you loved about playing? You know, what what are you grateful for when it comes to your sport? And very important is tapping into your identity. And so often, especially these days, you know, a person's identity can be wrapped up just in their sport or just in who they are as an athlete, especially, you know, the better you are or the more the the higher level of play. And so, you know, you want to reflect and remind yourselves that you have a whole identity and looking at yourself holistically, you know, what else makes you you and, you know, what else do you have to give? And, um, you know, I like to ask athletes, like, what are your favorite things? What else? contributes to your personality and makes you unique. If you weren't playing your sport, what would you be doing? And sometimes when you reflect on that, as disappointing as this is, and not to say it shouldn't be, but that can start to infuse the motivation then to further develop uh, develop other aspects of your personality and, and pursue other goals. And then with time, be able to look back fondly on your athletic career as a whole. Um, but, you know, there's no way around it how how awful this situation is for those who lost their, their seasons and had their careers ended.
1: Yeah, I have a cousin whose daughter is a senior, and she lost her final lacrosse season. And her team made cards and baked cookies and cupcakes for every senior on the team, went to their doors and decorated their doors with the poster board, left their cards, telling them how much they meant to them and those special little treats. And, you know, that was really a powerful moment because it taught the other kids on the team that they could be helpful, mindful of when others are hurting and how they could help others through a really difficult time, and uh, that was special. I know she'll keep those for the rest of her life. And it was just a—it was very consoling.
2: I love that idea, and it also reinforces the fact that once a team, always a team. You know, it's even once you're done playing, and even after you graduate, and everybody goes their separate ways, you know, you you are still that that family, and have those relationships. So, you know, that that's a great way of showing support for each other and for your seniors um, who won't get to play anymore.
0: You know, Carrie, I'm, I'm curious as, obviously, that's, we all, I think, are, are mourning the loss of seasons for for especially kids who won't get to play again. Um, but for a lot, of, a lot of athletes, young athletes, um, or athletes at the professional level, uh, at some point they will play again. Uh, and, you know, I read a, a college coach last week talking about, uh, one of the things you mentioned where really one of the keys is going to be self-motivation at this point because coaches aren't there to to kick their tails into gear every day, uh, you know when they're at home working out. i'm I'm curious about a couple of different things, that self-motivation and and also just focus. Uh, how do you focus on, and you alluded to this a little bit in terms of uh, all the stuff going on and some of the trauma people may be experiencing, et cetera. but but, what would you say, uh, and maybe you can expand upon, Uh, both the focus and the self-motivation piece for athletes who are, you know, training for a fall season or for next year's spring season.
2: You know, that's a, and that's another great question because that's so easy to lose during an open-ended time like this, where we don't know where the finish line is. And, and it doesn't just come down to um, staying fit. You know, it's, it's kind of like how am i going to work out and and i think that's at the forefront of everyone's mind but some of the things that get lost along the way are things like eating habits and you know maintaining a healthy diet when a lot of times when you are in an athletic atmosphere being supported by coaches and and nutritionists you know they're they're keeping an eye on that with you um same with sleep i mean you're you know you kind of are more motivated to to have a sleep pattern that will facilitate your performance when you're in season. But all of a sudden, when it's, you don't have that to work for, it's, you know, I've heard, you know, athletes are staying up later or they're they're on their screens more. um, They're playing more video games and just to fill the time and, and just getting bored. um, And, you know, maybe they're sleeping late in the morning, but they're just kind of all out of whack with even that kind of stuff. Um, so, really, the best thing for for s- maintaining focus is to set goals, and and they can be very many goals that are you know goals for that day or even a goal for that hour. Um, it you know it can be hard with this indefinite period of time to kind of establish long-term goals and expect yourself to stick to them. So really it's better, you can make a goal for the week and and track it. It's always better if you have some sort of visual aid or you maintain some sort of log, whether you are writing it down or you can put it in your phone or on your computer, but somehow kind of a, a form of checks and balances for yourself and that can be very motivating. Um, so So really trying to even if you fell out of a routine, to get back in somewhat of a routine and hold yourself accountable. Sometimes, even if you pair up with a teammate or a small group of three to five of you and you check in on each other and you hold each other accountable. So, you know, maybe say you're going to run for 20 minutes that day or you're going to do a certain workout and then checking, checking with your teammate or teammates. Um, to see if they did it and how they did and comparing times or comparing performance. And that that way you're also still fueling those competitive juices because that is often what what athletes miss the most is competing, not, just, you know, playing. So um, so those are ways to kind of help stay motivated and keep your focus um, saying goals for yourself for this time, and then setting some goals for when you are able to return back to play. And then again, you can use imagery to see that happen and and trace it back and think,
1: well, what do I need to do to get there and to make that happen? This is some great advice, Carrie, for athletes and uh, listening on what they can continue to do to make themselves better, to improve themselves, to be a personal best, and also how coaches can stay connected. Um, So on a personal note, though, you're a mom. three boys and so what is shelter at home like with all the challenges that you face now where you're filling lots of roles I'm sure you're being like a teacher maybe you're coaching your kids in baseball I know they play baseball your son your your husband was their your son's coach um
2: yes um good question (laughs) I don't know that I do um (laughs) Happy hour at home? No, just kidding. <laughs> Not really. But um, <laughs> I, I take it one day at a time, and sometimes it's one hour at a time. Um, I find myself saying probably three to five times a day that um, yelling to somebody, "We cannot go to the ER right now," and uh, just trying to keep them out of the emergency room. <laughs> um, but yes, it's it, the three <laughs> boys there is no being still there is no downtime um there's no crafting in my house uh it, it is a circus and so <laughs> it is fun but it can be training um I think the hardest thing is is the homeschooling then and balancing that with my own work and um and they have two parents that work so so it takes some uh you know planning. As much as we can plan, I try to stay connected. Um, my uh, group of best friends um, and I actually have set up a weekly Zoom social Zoom every Sunday where um, where we log on and we just kind of laugh and be silly and vent and and maybe sometimes share a cocktail virtually. And um, and then uh, you know I make sure to engage in some self-care and, and run for me, running is very therapeutic and just getting out um, and, and having some time for me, but yeah, it's, uh, it's tough. Cause it's trying to keep everyone else on a schedule and in a routine and, and, and motivated in addition to myself and keeping them fed, man, they can eat. I mean, boys can eat and they're still young. <laughs> So it's getting to the store and when the inventory is low, having to get creative with cooking, it's it's definitely, um, yeah, a different animal these days.
1: I feel for you, Carrie. God bless you and your effort. And, you know, we're praying for all the parents out there that, you know, they can take that time for self-care. And we think what you said is so important to have go-to friends, people who they can call for a little check-in or people they can call if they feel that they're losing their patience and might lash out at their kids. Um, so I think that that's a, that's a critical thing to do. And anybody out there who's listening, if you don't have a go-to friend, one of the things we're offering to do is, is connect you with somebody in your community so that you can have somebody that you can go to for support and non-judgmental care. That's a great idea. I mean,
2: staying connected is so important. And even if you're just venting or, you know, balancing ideas off someone or just kind of relating on different levels of this, that can be um, really calming. And, um, you know, in a way to create space for yourself um, through linking with others, it's like socially distancing, you know, through connect connectivity, you know, finding ways to be creative about that. Yeah, thank you. Well, Carrie, what else do you hmm. want to share with us? What else do I want to share? <laughs> well, um, I'm sad that the Play Like a Champion okay. Conference will not be in person this year. I always look forward to that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. We are, yeah. so yes. We'll have to for sure um, make a huge comeback next year, plan some big things.
1: We yeah. are, this was going to be our 15th year, as you know. And so we're talking about. You know, it's, we, we're still going to do a virtual conference, but we're talking about reserving that 15 year celebration for next year so we can still really. Yeah, celebrate.
2: that would be great. I mean, it should be celebrated. It's this organization is so special and, and really does so much for so many in the
1: athletic world. And, and we're really so lucky to to have it. And speaking of which makes it special is is having you as part of our team. Uh, You're such an integral and special part and caring part of of who we are. And all of you out there, you can hear the compassion in Carrie's voice. You can see why she's such a good therapist, a good counselor for the Rams. But also we offer her advice to all of you out there as well. We have a confidential email that Carrie answers. It's askdrcarrie at playlikeachampion.org. And if something she said, you want some more Information on or if you'd like to connect with her, if you're an athlete out there who would you know like to get some more advice or some more direction, feel free to email Carrie. Um, she'll be there. Yeah, happy
2: to do it. Um, you know, it's my pleasure. Feel free to reach out with questions or if you just want some feedback or or if you need to vent. And um, you any tips I can give, I will.
0: <laughs> Carrie, we're just thrilled to have you here today. We'll put that information, uh, the, uh, the email, in the show notes. Uh, and and we want to thank you again for joining us on this this maiden voyage of the play like a champion show. Uh, tons of great information. but um, Carrie, thank thanks so you much for having Always me it was a pleasure.
2: You. Stay safe.
0: Kristen, what a great interview. Uh, was there anything that stuck hey, out Ricky, to you that was in that a conversation? great with interview.
1: Carrie? I mean just personally myself, even though I'm no longer a competitive athlete i I learned some things for for me during this time, you know, to to keep a written log, a daily log, a schedule that keeps me disciplined in my own life so that I can see when I'm working out, when I'm using meditation, uh, when I'm, you know, uh, expressing daily Mm -hmm. gratitude, that's on my list, too. Um, So I think that that, physical manifestation is something that we all can do especially athletes. I also love how she, you know, encouraged coaches to keep in touch with their athletes. I think in the beginning coaches were doing that really well and I'm I feel as if from my conversations with athletic directors there's a little bit of a dip now. And so we've got to have coaches encouraged hmm. to continue to stay in touch all the more now as this crisis wears on and on and on, so that we can find some hope and some connection, um, reminders of what it means to be a team and to be cared for.
0: Yeah, I think you're right on. Uh, and obviously carry some some really great uh, practical advice there in terms of things coaches, athletes, parents can do. Uh, you know we can all learn as we go forward. So uh, terrific. Well, with that, we want to thank everyone for joining us here on the Play Like a Champion show. Remember, you can subscribe and download our podcast on your favorite podcast app. You can find us at playlikeachampion.org where you can learn about all the other great things we have going on right now and find links to connect to us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You know, Kristen, one of the great things we're doing right now is a page with resources to help keep kids active while at home. So you can find that on our website under the resources tab or by clicking the banner on the top of the main page. People have really enjoyed those resources, uh, you know, coaches and parents alike. And if you have another resource, feel free to let us know. We'll add it to that page. Kristen, thanks, uh, as always, for being here. Look forward to our next conversation. It is
1: a pleasure to work in tandem with you, Pete. And I also want to thank all of our listeners for joining us. Have a great week, everyone, and remember, wherever you are, to play like a champion each and every day.